This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 6am on Thursday, the 21st of April. We fondly refer to that as Friday Junior here on The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokdar with Wang Xiaoning and Dan Chen Li. You guys are the only ones that call it Friday Junior. <laughs> that is not true, Xiaoning. Do not, do not deny that you two have adopted the no, nomenclature no. of Friday Junior for I'm, Thursday. I'm Debbie Downer this morning so no I don't I know there's another day before the weekend but yeah I'm glad we're inching our way to to Friday Friday I always feel is the best day somehow it's like yay we've got the weekend to look forward to oh, well me too <laughs> I always look forward to Friday but you know what's really amazing is Hari Raya is, is coming up really really soon it is the week after next yes yeah, one more week fast. and then the following week it's Hari Raya I do have to agree where has the month gone it does seem that the month has gone by extraordinarily fast but you know what we always say this when we realize a certain date hey where did the rest of the time go this is a very common observation here on the morning run and i'm sure we all have it as well uh and speaking of observations we do have a range of discussions lined up this morning uh beginning at 7 15 how well are food quality and safety standards enforced at food bazaars and we're discussing this of course in the wake of many viral videos and viral social media posts on um food of questionable quality being sold you're so polite so we're going to discuss (laughs) (laughs) We're going to discuss the regulations at play with Dr. Che Le Ching of University Malaya. And at 7.30, we discuss the impact of harsh economic sanctions on Russia uh, in response to the war in Ukraine with Raffaello Pantucci. I oh, hope is, I get his name right. He is, of <laughs> course, an expert at the R.S. Rajaratnam School yes. of International Studies. So we're going to be talking to him about whether um, economic sanctions on Russia are having the intended effect. Mm. I, that's a big question everyone's asking. Why, I since think. they started in late February and they've been going on for like one and a half months, what's happening, right? 56 days, I counted. Yeah. <laughs> okay, in the meantime, at 7.45, we're also still staying very much on the Hari Raya theme or all things related to Raya because we're going to do a little bit of a channel check to find out how the retail industry is doing with Liana Yaha of Nels Nielsen IQ. That's right. So as always, we love to check in with our retailers and see whether they're seeing that bright light at the end of a very long tunnel that was the COVID-19 pandemic. So stay tuned for that conversation. We'll have all this and more today on The Morning Run. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. That was Jefferson Airplane with Somebody to Love. Before that, you heard the local natives with Dark Days. You're listening to The Morning Run, 6.08 in the morning on Thursday, the 21st of April. I'm Shazana Mokhtar in studio with Wang Xiaoning and Tan Chen Li. Now, for those starting the fasting day, Selamat Berpuasa. And the fasting month is an opportune time to reflect on how many meals we actually should be eating in a day. Because that's the question raised in this BBC article we're looking at this morning, which asks, as I just said, should we be eating three meals a day? Yes, and I, I want to ask the question to both of you. Do you guys eat three meals a day? Mm, some days I eat all day. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that Malaysians have six meal times. You know, you've got breakfast and morning tea and then lunch and then afternoon tea and then dinner and then supper. I feel like those are the well-defined meal times. <laughs> How productive. You be like, when don't you eat? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's the reverse, right, for us. And I mean, our greeting... When we care for somebody or we want to show affection, is a have you eaten? Yes. Do you want something? Can I get you something? You yes. know that's how we show we care, right? It's so Malaysian, it's so Asian. 
our lives really revolve around food and that's a sign of affection. So I don't know, can can we just survive on three three <laughs> meals a day or less? <laughs> so the article is actually saying that you might want to consider eating, uh, you don't have to stick, stick to a schedule, but you may want to consider eating earlier in terms of your dinner and eating later in terms of your breakfast. Or well, that's some science to it because if you eat too late at night, your body releases mel- melatonin overnight. So that's supposed to help you sleep, but melatonin also pause the creation of insulin which insulin uh, without that you it will store glucose in the body and therefore you became fat right and so uh, and also eating earlier uh, sorry eating later in terms of uh, breakfast you should eat an hour or two after waking up before uh, before having breakfast and surprisingly, breakfast is a relatively new concept because in the old days, people don't usually have breakfast and it's only became a thing. Uh, and also it's a thing for the aristocrats' classes during the time of ancient Greece. Um, so in any way, so what they're saying is the healthiest way to eat is actually throughout the day is to have two to three meals and try to eat at a certain uh, punctuality as well. Um, yeah, and that's that's the gist of that article actually. That's yeah. so interesting when you mentioned that breakfast is a relatively new phenomenon. It's been ingrained in us that, oh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You know, you eat breakfast like a king, you can eat dinner like a pauper, but it's breakfast that's so important. Um, so these scientific findings seem to um, negate that in a way, or, or just say that, you know, maybe it's not as important as as has been hammered into us, or, or that there are other ways to look at um, how breakfast should feature in your daily yes, food intake. correct. And, and a lot of us heard about intermittent fasting, and some of us practice that too and um, some of you some of us may do like 10 hour fasting or 12 hour fasting um, so and that's the case if you do a 12 hour fasting and do you do one meal a day or should you do two meals a day and when we talk about intermittent fasting or modern intermittent fasting this includes sleep times right because yes. the sleep times are counted as yes, the period yes. of time where you're not eating so it's not daytime fasting per se but it's also no. nighttime fasting okay so who in this room practices some form of fasting i do Right? I do as I well. I am fasting. Well, you, are, you are officially fasting for good reason, for extremely well, good you know, re- for, reasons. For faith, for faith reasons, yeah. but there we go. So uh, I practice intermittent fasting. It works very well with the our lifestyles on the morning run. So I don't eat anything usually after 7 p.m. And then I don't eat anything until t- after the show is over, which is about 10 a.m. I start my next meal. So that's 14 hours. Yeah, and it works, right? I, I do have coffee. I Before the show starts, I definitely need my coffee. But that's it, coffee and water until 10. And I find it works. Uh, and my biggest meal of the day is actually at about 11 and 12 o'clock. Uh, actually, no, about 1 o'clock. That's my biggest meal. And then I just have toast at 10 to start. And dinner is toast again. So yeah, it, it works. But I think the point about mealtime is that you've got to find something that works for you. And I have to say, when you say that it works, I'm wondering it works in what form? Is it Does it work to lose weight? Does it work to keep you healthy? Does it work to keep your energy? Yeah. So ask yourself when you go on to intermittent fasting, what are you planning to do it for? And does it have effects on yeah. other aspects of your life? What do you hope to achieve is the, the first thing you should ask yourself, right? And then secondly is how do you feel when you're doing it? It shouldn't just be because it's fad-based, it's trend-based. You must, when it comes to food, it's something that is so emotive. So you, and also, of course, it's science. So how do you balance the two? Mm. I think for me, the, the the small dinner at the end of the day works because shortly after that, we all have to go to bed, right, by nine. So if you sleep on a very full stomach, you're not going to get very good sleep. And then you, ha- I have that big meal at about one o'clock because that's the middle of my day and I need it to go on until six before I have my dinner. So I think when it comes to food, 
or your relationship with food, some balance is always needed. And indulgence, yes, I'm guilty of it for sure. But, you know, sometimes, especially during fasting month, it's maybe a time to reflect that do you really need so much? You can live mm. quite simply. That's right. Well, tell us what you think. Do you observe intermittent fasting in some form? Do you um, have three meals a day or are you more flexible with your eating times? Tell us what you think. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be heading into some messages now and we'll come back after that with a discussion about inflation. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. That was Lenny Kravitz with Fly Away. And you can if you want to because our borders are open now. Uh, you're listening to The Morning Run uh, with Shazana Shaoning and Chen Li. 6.20 a.m. on Thursday, the 21st of April. Now, amidst the anxiety over rising food prices, there's a curious story going around in U.S. media circles about um, Arizona beverages. They're an American company famous for their Arizona iced tea, which I've been told is available here in Malaysia. Uh, they're sold in massive tin cans roughly equivalent to about 500 milliliters. And despite soaring inflation, which in the U.S. has hit about 8%, Arizona iced tea, iced tea is still being sold at 99 cents per can. And the question that we're asking today is, how is this possible? And they didn't shrink the can size, right? Which is what some of the fast-moving consumer goods companies have done. So look carefully <laughs> at your tin. Does it still say 250 ml or does it say 236 ml? Maybe huh. we need to bring out the measuring tape or so. <laughs> you can just, just glance at it carefully before you assume it's the same size. Shrinkflation is a real thing. But as far as we know, Arizona Beverages has not practiced uh, is not practicing shrinkflation, at least not for these 99-cent cans, which have become a flagship for the company. They're just very well known for it. And um, this article in the LA Times, and you can find this articles in other, I mean, a similar write-up in all the big media um, uh, portfolios. I see Fortune headlines, I see Vice, I see... There are a lot of uh, media uh, covering this because it's just so odd that they've managed to maintain... Um, 99 cents per can, despite rising, uh, you know, commodity prices, despite supply chain issues, despite logistical issues. Um, there's so many headwinds and yet they are insistent we're going to stick to 99 cents. I think it only shows one thing. They have really fat profit margin and that they can absorb all these costs. Interesting. Perhaps, yes. Maybe not on this particular product because um, obviously, I think in the article it did mention that they're obviously making a loss on this just because, um, well, you know, when you think, when you think about it I don't think they make a loss. They, 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 are they losing money? They're not losing money on on overall, mm. but whether this is you know how some companies do like a loss making a lead a lead loss leader loss leader. There we go. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is their loss leader in the sense because other other products that they have are more expensive. So those actually have higher margins than this ninety nine cent can um, of iced tea. So I did want to want I did want to ask you when do you think companies can afford to absorb the cost rather than pass it on to consumers? My big question is they may have maintained this ninety nine cent for this iced tea, but have they raised prices for their other offerings, for example? That's not really divulged in this article. Okay. Mm. Now, according to this LA article, I think, um, you know, he, the owner has, has got this mindset, right, where he thinks that if he raises the prices, he's just going to lose the customer. And then later on, trying to gain back the customer is just going to be much, much harder. So for him, retention is key. And you're right, maybe this is a loss leader. But one thing different about this company compared to, let's say, an FMCG, which is your typical fast-moving consumer good, is that they claim that their marketing cost is much lower. So they, there is some cost savings there. Now, if you break it down in terms of 
the product within an iced tea. It's water, sugar, tea, which I bet you is very, very little. <laughs> <laughs> Lemonade. Lemon and flavorings, right? Yeah. Now, over the years, what has really gone up is logistics costs. So the your cost of shipping it out. The aluminium cans have gone up tremendously. But water tea, pretty much constant. So maybe what they do is that they look at the product and think, okay, maybe I'll save money in terms of the advertising cost. The ship, you know, uh, I'll do much less of that. And a lot of companies have done so by shifting their marketing towards social media, using influencers. Cheaper than buying a lot of airtime on television or on radio. Don't do that to us, please at BFM. <laughs> but that's what they've done. So I think what this environment has meant that is that companies have to really look at their costs and think of clever ways to cut it without affecting the relationship with the customer. I have a theory that this entire story is free advertising yes, for Arizona Yes, it is. You're Burger right. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to the media, they say, look, we're keeping our cans at 99 cents. And then we're every, the good ones. Everybody wants to interview them. Now everybody's talking about it. Who knows? Maybe you'll be um, enticed to go to the supermarket okay, and look for Arizona it. beverages. My uh, colleague Mo, who's in the room, producer, you've tried it. The two of y'all have not tried it. We Are y'all not. now tempted to? Maybe. Mm, maybe. maybe. If, uh, if, assuming it's 99 cents. Yeah. Well, they have achieved one thing. Brand awareness. And yeah, for free. For free, guys. So you're right, Shaz. This is a pretty good way of advertising a brand. Well, tell us what you think about this story. Is it conceivable that a company would maintain um, a goods price at 99 cents? You know, what do you make of this situation? And um, is this actually a really uh, clever marketing ploy? WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. It's 6.25 in the morning. We're heading into some messages now and we'll come back after the 6.30 a.m. news bulletin with a look at what's making headlines around the world. Taking you to the news now is Haim with The Steps, BFM 89.9. That was the last shadow puppets with My Mistakes Were Made For You. And I wonder if that's what politicians are telling us whenever they make <laughs> one gaffe or another. We did it all for you in the end. Uh, 6.39 in the morning, you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Tan Chen Li. I suppose rather than say I'm sorry, please forgive me, it was my mistake and I'll resign. Those words will never come out of their mouths. No, right? it would more be more like, I did it for you. But in any case, it's that time of morning where we take a look at the headlines from around the world. Uh, who'd like to start us off? I will do that. How about I start us off with some, I'm afraid, Russia-Ukraine-centric headlines. That is still very much in the uh, news cycle at the moment. It's 56 days of the war, as Chen Li Yu pointed out this morning. So um, the first thing that I saw when I woke up was that Russia test-fired a nuclear-capable ICBM in warning to U.S. allies. And I must say that that did strike a, a tremor of fear in my heart because anything to do with nuclear um, weapons to me is very, very worrying. If I do feel like it sets back the non-proliferation agenda in the world by a subs- by quite a large margin, to be honest. So I'm watching this uh, very closely. Yeah, related to this is the Financial Times. Um, news just broke out like a minute ago and it says that peace talks with Putin are doomed, says UK leader, of course UK leader here being Boris Johnson, as delivery of spare parts puts 20 more warplanes at Ukraine's disposal. So if anything, it looks like 
the war efforts are going to intensify in the next few weeks. We have been seeing um, the eastern region of Donbass really um, being hammered. There's a lot of uh, concerns about civilians in Mariupol and whether they're able to evacuate safely. Um, These are things that are still unfolding on the ground. And if we shift our attention to uh, Hong Kong, uh, YouTube has shut down the campaign channel of former policeman John Lee's election campaign channel, um, citing that uh, Washington imposed on officials allegedly allegedly uh, involved in quashing quashing the pro-democracy movement that erupted in 2019. So because Lee, John Lee, is a staunch supporter of the Chinese extradicting extradition bill uh, that has sparked the protest in Hong Kong. And so he was actually sanctioned in 2020 for his role in this. That's why his YouTube channel has been taken down, has been shut down, actually. So that's going to be an interesting development moving forward, yeah? What does this mean about Hong Kong relations with the US? If they have, uh, if the leader-in-waiting is being sanctioned by them, will that um, lead to a further deterioration of ties between Hong Kong and the US? Something to keep an eye on moving forward. Now, I'm going to uh, talk about a, a news flash. And this is related to a news flash that happened yesterday when it said that, hey, you don't need masks anymore on US flights. Yes. Guess what? The US Justice Department has appealed to reinstate transportation mask mandate. Oh, yep. A twist of events. <laughs> yes. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has called for the mandate, saying it is necessary for public health. So, but uh, looks like it's going to be back and forth, back and forth on this issue. It is such um, a shame that... I feel I feel like the mask mandate shouldn't have become as politicized as it is in the US. Unfortunately, the way it played out during the two years of the pandemic just made it this real political flashpoint, which is unfortunate because masks can can deter the spread of infection. Yeah, it's scientifically proven, right, uh, in the prevention of COVID-19, the spread of it. Uh, but yet it has become a you and against me kind of issue uh, where people get into, you know, the left corners and the right corners. And it just doesn't work because what you want is to just bring the COVID cases down. Yes, and continuing uh, on our coverage from yesterday, Netflix, um, yesterday after their, the market opened, their stock plunged 35% uh, on the news that they have 200,000 uh, subscribers that's, that's uh, that has unsubscribed from the service. And on top of that, what Netflix is considering to do is to offer a cheaper ad-supported version of its services, which initially when they launched Netflix, they were saying that they don't want to have any ads. Now they have no choice. They have to consider this um, alternative uh, subscription model. I mean, it is a U-turn of sorts, yeah, because you pay a subscription to uh, relieve yourself of being bombarded by ads. But now they have to, it looks like they may have to go uh, doing that in order to provide that cheaper price point to lure more people in. I don't know whether people will want to go for it, though, given that there's so many other options available that they could turn to. Well, it's a bit like Spotify, right? There are many versions of it. The paid version is ad-free. If you don't pay, then you get lots of ads. Uh, I pay because I can't stand the ad, so I'm, I'm not sure what consumers want. But I think one reason why Netflix saw a drop in 200,000 subscribers is that it is super easy to leave the service. A little bit too easy. So that has worked against them. Now, the other thing that I'm sure some of us have heard is that 
they are planning to stop people from sharing passwords. That's right. Ha, ha, ha. So <laughs> if you have a Netflix account, you typically have four profiles within mm-hmm. that account. And of course, a little bit of sharing goes around, right? But I'm curious, what is the technology going to be involved in terms of stopping them? And apparently as many as 100 million households do so. I'm wondering how they're going to monitor that too. Because you can't stop people from sharing the same service in one household, right? But how are you going to do it if... If they span continents, for example, what I don't they, know. How what do they, they track are it? in the same family, but they're just on different continents? Yeah, and how do you track it? I mean, maybe IP address or something. I think people, but then you know what? People will start thinking of using like VPN. Okay, I'm not. I'm not good at this. I might be talking nonsense. <laughs> but could you do something like a VPN address? I don't know. I'm sure the clever folks out there are are already on it, uh, even if we are not. But yes, this uh, this is a conundrum for Netflix in terms of how are they going to gain back investor confidence? I say Netflix, you should look to broadcasting live sport. That's where your that's where the meal ticket is. That's where the viewers are going to really come. But that's really going into uh, cable territory, isn't it? Well, that's, that's where right. how those big names in US make their money. That's what's going to bring the subscribers. That is, that's how Astro keeps its market share, right? Because they have all the English Premier League football matches, which everybody wants to watch. And that's how Disney Plus in India has gotten its subscriber base because they are broadcasting live cricket matches. So I'm just saying that that's where you want to look at if you really want to rake in the big uh, viewers. But uh, hey, what do I know? 6.45 in the morning, we're taking a short break. When we come back, we'll take a look at what's making headlines in our local newspapers and portals, BFM 89.9. Back on the chain gang by the Pretenders. You're listening to The Morning Run. It's 6.51 a.m. on Thursday, the 21st of April. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Tan Chen Li. Now we're flipping through the pages and clicking through the portals of our local newspapers and uh, newspapers and portals. What's caught your eye this morning? Okay, sadly, I'm going to report that the Malaysian Reserve, uh, in, in its print format, will end no. on April 29th. Another okay? one bites yes. the dust. So I'll, I'll, I'll read it out. TMR Media, Sindhir and Brahat will cease the print edition of the Malaysian Reserve and the last publication will be April 29, 2020. But despite the end of the print edition, this TMR Media will channel all its resources to its website, www, sorry, www.themalaysianreserve.com and deliver the same quality of news to our readers. It's not the end, but of course it's sad to see goodbye to the actual print newspaper because it's not the only one. Remember we had the edge once upon a time, mm. it was printed daily. And now, of course, we only have it online. Same with the Sun, I think. The Sun is it the still Malay printed? Mail. The I'm Malay not Mail. Sure if the Sun is no, still the Sun is still printed. Print. You're right. The Malay Mail the has Malay gone Mail. fully online. That's right. Um, so yes, uh, that's another uh, that's another newspaper that will be relegated to the digital realm. Um, our newspaper deliveries are going to become that much thinner <laughs> after 29th of April. And I want to read something from the you know their their little thank you note, which I think resonates across the world, which is that the COVID nineteen pandemic adds another severe blow to the already difficult business environment. Content and news creation like the product of production of any product is a business that requires substantial revenues. So despite a spike in digital readership, page views and unique visitors, advertising revenues for digital platforms have been negligible because 
a lot of the money goes to US tech search engines, social media, video channels and related services. Well, this is what's happening to the media industry, the seismic shift in platforms in how uh, information is being communicated. Um, I think that's just going to continue moving forward. And also the trend uh, of consumers, actually. I mean, I at home, I don't really have print newspapers anymore. I I don't know about you guys. I I do. Yeah, I think you do. I'm very old school. I'm very old school. I still do as well. Yeah. Now, what what else is interesting is they say that in Europe, governments have instituted laws that force US tech firms to share a percentage of their advertising revenue uh, with old school, old school newspapers. But unfortunately, in Malaysia, we do not have the political will nor the intelligence to enforce such laws. Ouch, that is, um, that's, that's, a, that's a stab <laughs> in the gut there for whoever ate the chilies. But uh, yes, let's turn our attention to some of the other headlines that's uh, making the front pages of our papers. I believe on the New Straits Times as well as on Sinaharian. It's the same story, Chindi. Yeah, so we're talking about the Rohingya uh, detainees who actually broke out of, of, the, of the immigration depot in Bandar Baru, Kedah. Uh, 528 escaped. Beasts, over 300 have been recaptured. Unfortunately, six were killed in the highway uh, accident, which is quite sad because why they are, le- they are actually breaking out from the, de- uh, the depot is because of the poor condition or living condition in there, which is heartbreaking. It is. I don't think... I don't... I believe many of us are, don't realize just how how difficult it is for um, Rohingya refugees who've escaped conflict in Myanmar and they, try, they come here looking for safe refuge. Um, many of them end up in detention centers and remain in limbo for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. If you're interested to learn more about this um, particular incident and also about the conditions at immigration detention centers, the Evening Edition team yesterday covered this um, on the show. They spoke to Kenneth Chung of Swaram. Please look up that podcast. It's titled Understanding the Conditions at Immigration Detention Centers. You can find it on the BFM app or on our website. I do believe this issue needs more attention and we need to be more cognizant of what it is, what kind of policy measures that need to be put in place to help refugees that come to our shores. Mm. Yeah, I've got one more piece of news, sad one also, and that is um, Malaysian death row inmate Nagetran Dharmalingam is scheduled to be executed in Singapore next week. I think he's come to the end of the appeals. Uh, I, I would like to highlight that his IQ is 69, which is below that of average intelligence. And it begs the question about death penalty. Right. And even here in, in, in Malaysia, we haven't made enough strides towards removing the death penalty. And very often when it comes to drug cases, who is actually the one we are targeting? Not the ones that make the big monies, but these mules. How how much of a deterrent is the death penalty? And it is shocking to me that um, this death sentence is going forward despite countless appeals, despite an international campaign for clemency, uh, despite the facts in the case that show that uh, Nagin Damalingam um, was has intellectual uh, deficiencies which yeah. should, should mitigate his sentence. So it, it to me, it does um, cast a shadow on the Singapore government for pushing forward with this um, sentence. I do believe his uh, lawyer is planning to appeal on charges of a mistrial. We'll see whether that goes forward. Um, But he has been on death row for over 10 years, just in this limbo situation. Um, It's very sad to see it come to this. Yeah. 
And now very quickly, KJ is going to push ahead with the uh, smoking legislation. Let's hope he gets it done mm. and he snuffs it out. He's planning to do that in the July parliamentary sitting. So something to keep watch on our radars. It's 6.57 in the morning. We're heading into the 7 a.m. news bulletin. And then after that, when we come back, we'll take a look at how global markets closed the day before. Uh, taking you to the news, Dusty Springfield with A Piece of My Heart, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.